It's Monday, October the 12th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, COVID-19 in India and Brazil, and shelling around Nagorno-Karabakh. First, the world in brief. India's number of confirmed COVID-19 cases exceeded 7 million, with over 108,000 dead. Meanwhile, Brazil's health ministry confirmed that over 150,000 people have died from the virus. India and Brazil have the second and third greatest numbers of COVID-19 cases in the world, respectively. Only America has more. India's caseload is expected to surpass America's within weeks. Azerbaijan accused Armenia of violating a Russian-brokered ceasefire signed on Saturday by shelling the cities of Gonja and Minjashavir. Armenia denied that and countered that Azerbaijan had broken the truce by shelling Stepkanakir, the capital of Nagorno-Karabakh, the ethnic Armenian enclave in Azerbaijan at the centre of the conflict. North Korea showcased a new intercontinental ballistic missile, its biggest yet, during a military display to mark 75 years of the ruling Workers' Party. The apparently as-yet-untested weapon could potentially be used to strike America with a nuclear warhead. During a speech, Kim Jong-un, North Korea's leader, appeared close to tears as he spoke of his country's struggle against hardship. Libya's national oil company announced that it would resume production at the country's largest oil field. Three weeks ago, Halif de Haftar, a warlord opposed to the UN-backed government in Tripoli, said he would end an oil blockade that has lasted for months. The news comes as preliminary peace talks begin between the two sides, ahead of UN-sponsored dialogue scheduled for next month. Saudi Arabia's National Commercial Bank announced it would buy Samba Financial Group, another bank, for $14.8 billion. If the merger receives regulatory approval, the resulting entity would be the kingdom's largest bank, with $223 billion in assets and a market capitalization of $46 billion. NCB said that it would control one quarter of all banking in Saudi Arabia. A number of Iranian-backed Iraqi militias agreed to stop rocket attacks on American forces stationed in the country on condition that the Iraqi government presents a timetable for their withdrawal. The Trump administration, which has been slowly reducing the American deployment, threatened last month to shut the American embassy in Baghdad unless the government did more to prevent militia attacks. Australia's National Science Agency published research suggesting that SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, can stay infectious on surfaces such as banknotes, phone screens and stainless steel for up to 28 days when kept at room temperature and in the dark. Previous laboratory studies had suggested that the virus could survive for only two to three days. And correction. A previous edition of Espresso referred to Nagorno-Karabakh as an ethnic Albanian enclave rather than an ethnic Armenian enclave. We're sorry for the mistake. And now, here's today's agenda. Hearing test. Amy Coney Barrett. Today, the Senate Judiciary Committee convenes to consider Amy Coney Barrett, President Donald Trump's nominee, to replace the late Liberal Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg on America's Supreme Court. The confirmation hearing for Miss Barrett, a Conservative Appeals Court judge, will be the first for a SCOTUS seat to be held partially by video conference. At least two Republican committee members have tested positive for COVID-19 and will participate virtually. Over the coming days, senators will probe Miss Barrett's views on matters including healthcare and abortion, 
and may press her to explain whether a letter she signed urging the unborn to be protected in law means she would jettison Roe v. Wade. If, as expected, Miss Barrett gets the committee's nod, a full Senate vote will follow in late October. Mr Trump hopes to seat his nominee before the election, but infected Republicans might complicate this plan. Senate rules require this tally to take place in person. One step forward. IMF forecasts. Since the IMF last updated its forecasts for the world economy in June, many prognosticators have become more optimistic, especially about America. World trade has not suffered as much as was feared and emerging markets have not yet faced a large-scale crisis. But the global outlook is darkening under the cloud of a second wave of COVID-19 in Europe and uncertainty over whether and when America will pass another fiscal stimulus. The fund is expected this week to upgrade its forecast that global output will shrink by 4.9% in 2020, but it is hard to predict by how much. Last week it called for rich countries to spend more on infrastructure and particularly on maintenance, both to give economies an immediate boost and to raise long-term growth. Until they provide more support for their economies, governments may learn the hard way that a rebound is not the same as a complete recovery. Not a very festive fiesta. COVID-19 in Spain As Spain marks its national day today, it has little to celebrate. It is still suffering proportionately the worst COVID-19 numbers of any large country in Europe, with 258 cases per 100,000 people in the past 14 days, and more than twice that in Madrid. This second peak has curbed the recovery of an economy set to shrink by 13% or so this year, again the worst figure in Europe. To make matters worse, the left-wing national government of Pedro Sánchez is at loggerheads with the conservative regional administration of Isabel Díaz Ayuso in Madrid. On October 9th, Mr Sánchez decreed a 15-day state of emergency in the capital, reimposing restrictions on entering or leaving the city that a court had knocked down at Ms. Díaz Ayuso's request. The government hopes that an expansionary budget and EU aid will lift the gloom. Before that happens, a long hard winter lies ahead. Testing times. Missile defence in Turkey. It would push understatement to its limit to describe the relationship between Turkey and Russia as complex. On the one hand, the two powers are fighting proxy wars in Syria, Libya and most recently Nagorno-Karabakh, where Turkey has backed Azerbaijan against Armenia, a Russian ally. On the other, they cooperate in defence matters to America's vexation. Earlier this year, and possibly to avoid American sanctions, Turkey, a NATO member, postponed plans to activate the S-400 air defence system it bought from Russia. It now says it will test the system this week. Turkish TV showed army trucks ferrying the S-400 batteries to the Black Sea town of Sinop, where they will be involved in military exercises. Anticipating American sanctions, the Turkish lira has dipped to a record low. Turkey's relations with Russia are resilient, but increasingly being put to the test. Its alliance with America has already begun to come apart at the seams. Hanging on to power. Hungary's by-election. Hungary's ruling Fidesz party maintained its iron grip on power yesterday. A two-thirds parliamentary majority gives it the ability to amend the constitution, pass cardinal laws which regulate a range of state institutions and appoint the next president of the Supreme Court. 
but it would have lost this advantage had it not prevailed in a by-election yesterday in northeastern Hungary. Fidesz's candidate, Jofia Kontz, a political novice, ran against Laszlo Bayro, a local entrepreneur. Mr Bayro belongs to the formerly far-right Jobbik party, but was the joint candidate for six parties from across the ideological spectrum. Aside from threatening Fidesz's supermajority, the by-election was also a test run for these opposition parties, who hoped to depose Viktor Orban, Hungary's Prime Minister, in elections in 2022 by working together. They are already in talks to create a common programme and nominate a joint candidate to challenge Mr Orban. Yesterday's results will mean a flurry of strategic provisions. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Anatole France, who died on this day in 1924. It is human nature to think wisely and to act in an absurd fashion. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.